Welcome back to the ENC Leadership Podcast. And we are still continuing, but about to close this series we have on leading in anxious times. And like we've promised before, we've spent a lot of time discussing this reality and describing this picture and this way of looking at the world. And for the next two episodes, we want to focus on how to become that calm leader. How do we apply these things? And I'm glad a number of us have already begun to see the patterns, to use these terms. You're noticing it in yourself. You're noticing it in other people. And you're practicing. I was so happy to hear from last week about how people have begun to observe uh, themselves participating in triangles or themselves pulling people into triangles and even de-triangling themselves without disconnecting. That is amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. And so we're going to talk more about those practices today. For, for this one, we're going to focus on becoming a calm leader. And we want to focus first on, on what that means and what that looks like. And honestly, what it will ask from us. Because it will ask for a lot from us. The outcome will be great. The outcome will be amazing. But it's not something we can get to flippantly. It's not something we can get to without dealing with what's really going on in our hearts. Because this is not just a technique. Let me talk first about the value of becoming a calm leader before we talk about the challenge of becoming a calm leader. Again, in the book, The Leader's Journey, which is an amazing book. And if you've liked this series so far, you're going to love that book. Okay, I've done my best to, to present it well, but you've got to believe that it's not going to be enough. That the book itself will have much more than what I'm able to show in this podcast. But in the book, The Leader's Journey... Here's a great quote on becoming a calm leader and the value of becoming the calm leader. It's a little bit long, so if you want the whole thing, you can check out the show notes in the encladers.ph website. Here's what it says. The leader's main job, through his or her way of being in the congregation, is to create an emotional atmosphere in which greater calmness exists, to be a less anxious presence. Knowing everything, in quotes, is not necessary to be a healthy, competent leader. When you can be a less anxious presence, then there is often enough experience and wisdom in the group for the group itself to figure out its own solutions to the challenges it faces. When a leader cannot contribute to this kind of atmosphere, the thinking processes in the group short-circuit, and people become more anxious and more emotionally reactive and make poorer decisions. Huh. It gives the benefit the value of it but also the downside let's look at the downside first if the leader is not lowering the anxiety then the thinking processes in the group short circuit in other words if the leader adds to the anxiety by the way the leader speaks or the way the leader responds or the way the leader chooses to use words or the way the leader chooses to divide the group up then you can see that reflected in the system around them the people don't think properly, they become more anxious, more emotionally reactive, either for or against, and thus poorer decisions all around are made. This is not a political podcast. I'm not making a point about that, but we can see that. Not just in government, we see it in all kinds of leadership decisions, including ourselves. And like we've said in the very beginning, there is enough anxiety all around and enough infectious anxiety all around to spread to the rest of us, to make us not deal with those things and to make us all be infected. And that's why we as leaders, leading from wherever we are, have a choice in how we're going to respond. And this is what he says. Instead of having to know everything, if we can just bring in that calmer presence, if we can just bring in this 
I don't know what's going on. We're going to figure it out together, but we're not going to do that. We're not going to attack one another. We're not going to divide one another. We're going to work together. Then the rest of the group can actually figure out that wisdom. This is the value of becoming a calm leader. Maybe some of you have even experienced times like that in your life that you were able to provide that, you know, even before uh, observing these truths, you you were able to provide that and you're wondering, what, what was that? What did I do? Was it the words I said? Was it the way I said it? Was it because I told them we're going to have this kind of meeting? No, it was the fact that you were calm when everybody else wasn't and that's what allowed them all to get there. This is what I hope we're going for in becoming the calm leader and being that person who can bring that level of anxiety down so people can become more relational, more creative, more spirit-led, more insightful, more open to connection, then, then the, the relationships begin to, to blossom and the, and the team can actually move forward. That's the value of becoming the calm leader in the presence. Now, the, the challenge in becoming a calm leader is a lot of things, and I want to give it uh, two F-words, okay? Uh, two F-words for this. Number one is, is fake maturity. Fake maturity. In the book, The Leader's Journey, uh, Trisha Taylor, who's the co-author along with uh, Jim Harrington, makes the insight that it's easier to appear calm than to be calm. It's easier to look like you're being calm, to look like you're being rational, to look like you're being logical, than to really be calm and to really have no anxiety in your heart. And I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast still, and if you've been following along, this is probably true for you as well. Because you're a leader, you're relatively competent, you wouldn't have gotten to where you are if you were having emotional meltdowns every other hour. Somewhere you learn to control those things, and that's, that's a little bit good. It gets us somewhere. The problem with that is if we don't deal with the heart, then it's only a matter of time before that weakness will show up somewhere else. Um, so they quote in the book, uh, this person, Jenny Brown, uh, talking about this fake kind of maturity where we all pretend to be uh, mature, but we're really not. And it says this, uh, let me read from the, the book, where they're quoting Jenny Brown. This counterfeit type of maturity is not always unhelpful as it enables us to rise to many challenges in life and cope beyond our usual capabilities. That's probably how you got where you are today. You are uh, able to fake it. You're able to pretend that you're not really as anxious as everybody else, you know? But however, there's a downside. Jenny Brown continues, this winging it, in quotes, kind of maturity can be an adaptive advantage, but it can also be a bit of a trap in giving us an inflated view of our maturity. It's a trap because we think to ourselves, well, I'm really not uh, anxious. You know, who, who needs this is I know who my spouse needs this, my leader needs this, that those students around me need this. I definitely don't because I'm mature. But however, internally, we could still have these emotional reactions. They're just coming out in other ways. It reminds me of ROTC. And for those of you who are older, uh, younger, you might not, you don't have this in your university anymore, but I did growing up. And what we would have is... Um, uh, citizens military training you know or, or and and so we would be forced to do military exercises in college and uh, it was so hard you had to do push-ups all the time and all of those things and I learned early on that I know how I'm going to survive I just don't want to be the first one to give up when it comes to doing push-ups 
as long as I can do more than the weakest people in my group, then I'm not going to get picked on. So that was always my goal. Do not be the first one to fall apart. Do not be the first one to give up. And everybody will overlook you. And you can just, you know, coast through the middle and the, the bullying officers won't be able to see that about you. And that's kind of what many leaders can be. We're just not the first to fall apart. We just don't want to be the first to fall apart. The problem is we're not really dealing with that tendency to actually fall apart. What if that weakness is still there? It's just that it doesn't get looked at because somebody else is doing worse than you and so you can compare to that person according to whatever scale we use for worseness and say, well, I'm not as bad as them. So that was what would happen with me. You know, I'd get anxious, but I would express it in uh, seemingly unemotional ways. I would argue. I would become overly logical. I would become distant. I would amputate relationships from my life. And so I would look at my wife and say, look, you're the one who is screaming. You are the one who, you, no, no, but I am not. And I would say that about people at church. I would say that about people, you know, who, who come to me and they're angry about how the way the campus ministry is being run. I would have all my Bible verses in a row. I would have all of my explanations in a row. And if they want to be mad, then they are unreasonable. And thankfully, I am being a calm leader. But the reality is I was focusing on techniques which is the exact opposite <laughs> of this way of doing life and looking at leadership is about. It's not a technique. It's got to go deeper. That's the first challenge in becoming a calm leader. Do you really want to be? Are you ready for that? Or are you just looking for a technique, a magic word to shut the people up around you, to get them to work, but without dealing with the junk in our own hearts? Ouch. And see, that's why this, this whole thing has been building up to this, right? Many of you have been listening uh, since episode five and you've been saying, ouch, this is painful. And why is it painful? It's because it, it goes there. It's not just something we read and, well, okay, I can do this tomorrow. No, we realize that the way we've been, which has been very helpful, isn't actually the best way. And there's an invitation right now to say, are you ready to let God deal with that? And, and maybe some of you are wondering, you know, oh, this sounds a little more preachy, this podcast, a little more spiritual, reflection-y, you know, than a leadership podcast. And, and, and we'll talk about that at the end. But yes, it, it will go there because that's what leadership does. That's what this kind of leadership does. And if we don't want to touch that, and we're happy with the results of our leadership so far. Well, my team's great. My business is great. You know, my family's fine. My wife has no complaints or my parents shouldn't complain about me. I'm better than all of them. Then fine, be the way we've always been. But if you're tired of that already, if you're saying, uh, you know what? This is a tantalizing opportunity. Could it really be that grace filled? Could it really be that different? Could I really not? kill myself or kill people around me in order to accomplish these goals and if you're willing to go there guess what that's where god is willing to go with you also the first challenge is this fake maturity and, and it's tempting you know I, I was talking to my group and i've ref referenced them a lot um how we we will read these books you know and so we'll spot anxiety all around us now and i just want to shout at people who are shouting at me like you're just being anxious but wait, that was an anxious response on my part. 
And instead of dealing with them relationally, I just want to take these podcasts and just mass send it to groups of people in my life so that they'll all just shut up and leave me alone. No, that's not staying in the relationship with them. And that's a that's a uh, anxious reaction. Maybe some of you have seen that in yourself as well. So how are we going to... We got to take this deeper because this goes deeper. The first one is that fake maturity. The second F word that makes it difficult is, is our formations. Actually, it's two F words. So first, formations. And this is a term that they use in, in psychology and they, they talk about this as well in the book. And first formations simply mean our knee-jerk reactions. It's the way we respond to things without thinking about them. And so Jim Harrington talks about how growing up in as a believer and he knew so much about God and he knew so much about what God had called him to do and what the Bible said. But he didn't focus on his whole person. He just knew, I'm supposed to know this, I'm supposed to do this. This is what it means to be a good Christian leader. And you've got your own version of that, I'm betting. You know, this is what it means to be a good leader of my business, to be a good leader on the campus. And here's what he said. He says, I knew all of these things and one of the consequences of this was that I grew up knowing a good bit about the teachings of Jesus and was aware of a clear expectation that I should obey these, those teachings. But the lack of attention to my feelings and my desires left those parts of my inner life as unchecked forces that, especially when relationships grew anxious, would undermine my best efforts to follow the way of Jesus. So he knew what he had to do, he could see it, but he didn't know that there was these, uh, these almost like computer programs, these emotional processes in his heart that would trip him up, that would stop him from following Jesus. And he wasn't paying attention to them or admitting those things. And that's why it became harder. See, a lot of this is our first formations. What's happening on the inside? What's all, what, what, how did we grow up? Earlier in the book, they describe it. First formation, they say, is shorthand to describe the set of experiences we had in childhood and adolescence that shaped how we first learned to see ourselves and the world. You learned a set of relationship habits in which you attempted to maximize the pleasure and minimize the pain. That's our first formation. We learned that, oh, okay, that's how the world is. This is how I am. Some of you listening to this are, are um, teenagers and we're so glad you're listening to this. And uh, this pandemic, will form a significant part of your first formation for for good or for bad. For some people, it's going to make them see, I need to protect myself. I can't trust other people with these things. And that's, you know, all of us have things like that, not even just the pandemic, but just how we were raised. They go on to describe what gives our first formation so much power is that the habits we developed happened mostly outside our conscious awareness. As children, our brains had not yet developed the capacity to think abstractly. So every experience was concrete. We began to develop a patterned way of dealing with pain in our relationships that shaped our thoughts, our feelings, our will, and our desires. This is the way I am, and this is the way the world is. That's what they mean by first formations. It's interesting to watch this now with, with my uh, two sons, uh, Philip and Manu. And I can see in Philip uh, a desire to, to do the right thing and a fear that his parents are going to get mad or that he's going to get something wrong. 
And so he he, he tends us up and, and it, it burdens me because I'm thinking, Lord, help me raise this boy the way you want. And I'm so sorry for the way my dysfunction is contributing to that. I'm doubly burdened because that's the way I was, you know? So let me give an example of our first formation for me. And um, uh, for the sake of time, I don't want to talk about the specific experiences about that. But, you know, there were a few uh, incidents that were very jarring, very scarring uh, in my life. Some of it, honestly, were just tendencies, you know, of being an, an oldest son and what's expected of you and, and having two younger brothers and always having to be the responsible one when they're not being the responsible one. And then there were a couple of experiences there that really drove that point home to the level of, of pain <laughs> and trauma. And thankfully, you know, I can talk to God about that and talk to other people about that. And God's really helped me with that. But the effect on me was that I always had to be responsible. And not just that, I have to be strong for the people who follow me. And when I'm not strong enough for the people who follow me, they're going to suffer. So that's why I have to be the strongest. And part of that means I can't ask help from other people. Because if I ask help from other people, then, you know, they ako. And so that would be much of my life. Much of my leadership would go there. And that would produce, honestly, significant kinds of leadership in me. You know, I would run for student office. I would lead groups or lead clubs. Any group work project, I would take charge because I got to be responsible. In the subtext, the unspoken thing is because you're probably not. All right. And one of the manifestations with me was I was super impatient with my teammates. All right, super impatient with my teammates. Uh, I don't care about my enemies. My enemies can do whatever they want. That's why they're my enemies. That's why we're fighting them. But my teammates, you better be strong because I'm doing so much already. But if you can't be strong enough, how in the world are we going to get through this? I was like that. I, I had to fight that tendency. I was like that with my brothers. I was like that on in basketball teams. Rebound, box out. That's all I'm asking you to do. Hands up, stay in front of your man. Oh my gosh, he beat you to the basket again. So much of my teenage years and were, were, were that. In, in school, I would be so irritated with group works if my friends wouldn't do enough, you know. And, and it comes out even now. When my son, you know, messes up and I'm thinking, oh gosh, I just cleaned everything. Now I got to clean it again. And can't you keep it fixed just for once? I'm not even asking you to be the one to fix it. What is that? It's, it goes all the way back to that first formation. That three, four-year-old first formation. <laughs> that until now is dictating a lot of my knee-jerk reactions. It comes out with my wife. That when my wife gives me things that she feels bad about or things that she wants to be fixed, I get so stressed out over them. She's not blaming me. She's not asking for a solution. She's asking to share. She just wants to talk to me. But to me, what I'm hearing is you weren't strong enough. You didn't fix this. You didn't fix this before you got married. You didn't fix this in the early years of our marriage. And now it's still here and you're not a strong enough leader. She's never saying that. Yet that's how I feel. If you wanted to give a meme to my kind of leadership, it would be LeBron James in game one of the 2018 NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors. You'll remember that, right? It was the last uh, finals that the, the Warriors won uh, with, with Kevin Durant and, and that team. But uh, game one, LeBron's having an amazing game, 51 points. He, 
they're down and it's like Curry will score, then then uh, KD will score and Clay Thompson will score. And then on the other hand, it's always LeBron scoring for the Cavs. And finally, finally, they have a chance to win and they have a chance to go ahead. George Hill gets fouled. He's at the free throw line. If he just makes two free throws, they win. And because he has subpar teammates, he misses one. J.R. Smith gets the rebound. The score is tied with four seconds to go. And he's actually right in front of the basket. He could actually put it right back in and they would win. But because <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with him. He doesn't know what the score is. He thinks they were ahead. He dribbled out the time. And uh, LeBron is shouting at him, uh, gesturing at him. And that's where the meme comes from. All you have to do is LeBron J.R. Smith meme. And there's this face on LeBron, just so much frustration, so much anxiety. If, look, I just scored 51 points. All I'm asking you to do is know the score and we could win. And then he just gives up and walks away. And then they, they, they go into overtime and they lose uh, uh, that, that game. That's how I was. If only you could be stronger, then it, I wouldn't have to carry the whole thing. Because if I was impatient with other people, I was most impatient with myself. If only I was more patient. If only I had more money. If only I, I, if only I was able to fix this sooner. And that's why whenever people would correct me for things that I've been trying to fix, I just would get so discouraged because it was like, ah, it hurts so much. That's why, if you remember in episode five, when talking with Seth, you know, and he said, hey, Joe, why don't you like to receive from people? That's got to be ungodly. That's where that was coming from. I can't receive from you. I've got to be the strong one. What am I talking about? First formations. And you've got your own. And uh, we're not saying that your whole life has been a disaster or that you, you should hate everything that's happened to you so far. We are saying, though, that unless we acknowledge what's going on, we're not going to be the calm leader that God's made us to be. Unless we're willing to go that deep. Because like Jim Harrington described, he knew what he had to do. He knew he had the commitment to do it. But there were these emotional processes that kept happening, that kept tripping him up. There's this sinful nature that's coming up. There's our, our past experiences, our, our knee-jerk reactions that keep tripping us up. But that's when we need it the most, isn't it? How many of you have listened to this podcast and you're like, okay, I know this, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And then when the time of anxiety comes, something happens, we, we forget it, we snap and we're like, how did I do that? I, I thought I knew this. You did know it. You did know it. But you got to pay attention to that, to those first formations. What is that? How is this happening? What, what shaped these leadership drives in you? Because many times that weakness really could come from a strength. That strength could really be a weakness. And that's why you're being the way you are. Now, first formations are, are, are important. I want to end with, with good news in that transformation is right up there with God's plan for you as well to transform you see leadership will change you it will scar you honestly but it will be for the better and that's the good news here because some of us might look at this and think oh gosh then I'll never be a calm leader if you knew the kind of home I grew up in the kind of ways I've been leading the kind of dark sides I've been having it doesn't have to be that way it's God's plan to transform you 
Let me read from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. This is the uh, English Standard Version. But I want to read the message version after this. And I can already see the raised eyebrows or sneers of some people <laughs> for reading the message version. But trust me, it's worth reading. This is good. Uh, ESV version says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The message version says it this way, Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. I love that thought. That we fit in without even thinking. That's what's happening. Those are the first formations. When you snap, when you lose your temper, when you get mad, when you uh, rant on social media, you're fitting in without thinking. And God's plan is to give us that ability to stop and think about it. And we'll talk more about that next week. But I didn't want to just start with a bunch of techniques and start with a bunch of practices that we'll do unless we're willing to go deeper. We'll talk about that from the book, The Lifestyle of Obedience, The Community of Grace and Truth, The Personal Reflection. That's all going to be great. We're going to do that next week. But the whole point of this is we've got to change the whole person. We've got to let God change the whole person. Are you ready? Are you willing to let God go there with you? And honestly, this is why I love Christianity as a leadership foundation. This is why I'm so thankful for it. This is what allows me, honestly, to read all kinds of leadership books and all kinds of leadership practices because with my faith, with my relationship in Jesus as a foundation, then all of these things can be done and applied in such a high level. Christianity can take me deeper than any leadership book can take me. And it can take me higher as well. What do I mean by that? It can take me deeper in the sense that it can diagnose deeper than just what those books say. So I've been reading this great book called Radical Candor. Love it. Super love it. Um, I feel like I might have gotten to the point though in the first three chapters and I don't know if I'll finish it, but I love those first three chapters. It talks about how you got to be honest with people and just speak radical honesty. Great. I love it. But you know what I love about Christianity? That point of radical candor totally fits in, totally supported by and totally balanced by the Bible which says, speak the truth in love. In other words, these principles, I know they work and I can apply them to a deeper level because of the Bible. It takes me deeper. It really diagnoses the situation. It also takes me higher in that the changes that these leadership books promise can be done and can actually be transformed. Another favorite leadership book of mine, Five Dysfunctions of a Team talks about teamwork and team management, and I love it. And they give this example of this horrible teammate named Mikey. And in the book, she gets fired, you know, and that's like, yeah, hey, she's fired, and now the team will be better, you know. And I, I love the way that the, the CEO in the book, Catherine, fires Mikey. It's such a joy for me when it comes to that part. But you know, in Christianity, that goes even higher. Because in Christianity, I don't just pray for the Mikeys in my life to get fired. I can believe they'll be transformed. And I've had people like that in my life. Toxic teammates, people who have been 
terrible, backstabbing and awful. And you know, I, I contributed as part of the system, as part of the leader. And they've been awful and they've gotten fired. But you know what? Because of my faith, kept praying for them, kept seeing, and, and because they got plugged into community and now they're transformed and now we're still friends. And that's what I mean by Christianity as a leadership foundation takes it deeper and takes us higher as well. Same thing with this. And I don't want us to listen to next week's practices. And they're going to be great. And they're going to be practical. And they're going to help us without dealing with it from the root. Without dealing with it from the inside. Because until we do that, this will just be fake maturity. This will just be looking calm without really being calm. You're just going to fake it in your org, in your student org, in your group, with your bakada, in your business, and then take it out on your family or take it out on yourself in your health. That's not God's plan for you. How deep do you want this to go? Because God wants to take it there. We're going to add a prayer for this uh, at encleaders.ph in the notes so you can see that. And maybe you might want to pray that over yourself. And be careful because God listens to prayers and He'll really answer it. Let me give you some application questions uh, for you to think about and reflect on. What are some of your first formations and how are they affecting your leadership? And um, it's not entirely a bad thing, okay? It could be a good bad thing, the way I've described mine, where honestly, it produced a lot of good grades, a lot of favor with authorities, a lot of trust from my friends, but also a lot of negativity in, in, in my deeper relationships. What are some of your first formations and how are they affecting your leadership? Number two, what circumstances and situations and even relationships have a way of triggering you or, or knocking you out, you know, or, or getting you out of your composure? What are those things? That's a great place to look because that's where you can see, ah, that's, that's the part that's weak. For me, I, I know those things. Like, why is it like that? Why is it that when this guy talks to me about this, I'm fine. But when somebody else brings up the same point, I really blow up. What is going on there? What are some of your first formations? How are they affecting your leadership? What circumstances, situations, and relationships have a way of triggering you? And thirdly, how does the gospel speak into that? How does the Bible speak into that? Just like Seth asked me, Right? I don't want to receive. I don't think I'm. it's good to receive. Okay, that's kind of the opposite of what God said, isn't it, Joseph? And is there someone you can talk to about it? I'm so glad you're listening to the podcast so far. I'm so glad you hope to apply this. And I, I'm, That's great. And you know what? Becoming the calm leader that the world needs you to be, that your family, that your organization needs you to be, is totally God's will for you. The question is, are we willing to let Him go as deep as it needs to go? Well, that's it for becoming a calm leader. Let me pray. I feel like I don't want to just end this podcast uh, um, by giving the usual sign-off, but by praying for us. Lord Jesus, please help us. Please help us, Lord, to be the leaders you've called us to be. Lord, we're listening to this podcast because we want to be better leaders for the people around us, for the world around us, for the principles or the causes that we espouse. And we're saying, Lord, I think this is good. But Lord, thank you that before you're asking us to do something on the macro scale, you want to do something with us as well. And so I pray for whatever kind of leader we are, 
leader of a business, a leader of a family, a leader of a small group in church, a leader in ministry, whatever, that you will help us to first enjoy and, and taste and see what it feels like to be led by you, the good shepherd, the calm leader, the kind leader. Lord, many of us have first formations that have affected us, that have really um, have an impact in our lives, and it's, and it's heavy. And it sometimes feels like this is just a default part of me. There's no way that will change. It's too late for that to change in me. Lord, I thank you that there is a version of us that, yes, may have those uh, experiences in the past, but will no longer be dictated by them in the future. I pray that faith will rise up inside of us today to believe that, Lord, really, could it be different? Okay, God, that's what I want. And as we do that, I thank you that you're going to do a deep dig in our hearts, in the, in the way we respond to people, in the way we talk. I pray even this week as we reflect that uh, you'll bring stuff to our mind that even if we get triggered by something, that we won't be discouraged and we'll realize, oh, okay, God's just pointing this out to me because he loves me. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this has been the ENC Leadership Podcast. Next week, we're going to look at some really practical steps on becoming a calm leader. I love these things. They've helped me so much. Um, but first, we've got to be willing to go that deep. Okay? So, uh, see you. We, we can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Podbean, uh, all of those uh, usual podcast providers, and the new ENC Leaders Uh, Send us a message if you want to know more. God bless you. See you next week. Bye.